Welcome to the Shopway Show on a very special uh, 6 p.m. Eastern show. Yes, a special 6 p.m. Eastern show because I'm going to be on again tonight at 8.30. So I figured I'd do a little early show now and a, and a later show because I'm insane and I punish myself. So that would be the reason why, in case you were asking, that's the reason why. So yes, but today I wanted to cover something because it came to my attention. Um, some some of you send me things. My team sends me things. And there was a recent Red Table Talk that talked about women drinking a whole lot more recently, right, in the past couple of years, but also heavily because of the COVID lockdowns and all types of things that were happening now, particularly with women. Now, men have been drinking for a while, too. Of course, it isn't only women. But this specific thing is about women and alcohol and how it's affecting America and people in general. There's also a racial aspect to it um, in a couple of places, uh, white and black women here. But this is also heavily about also um, black women also. And I wanted to bring this up because it talks to what I talk about often. The idea of finding happiness and purpose and all the things that I talk about always and saying that happy people are make a better society. Right. That's what we're talking about. Always happy people make a better society. So. In this case, they speak about that, right? Happy, uh, you know, how to find happiness and such. But they talk more about the problem, not the solution. And I kind of want to cover both. It's a very interesting piece. I think you'll enjoy it. Walk through it with me, uh, as always. One of the reasons why this particular show was really important to me is because wine for me was like Kool-Aid. Because, <laughs> like, yes. I was a, you know, a... Uh, Brown liquor drinker, vodka. Mm-hmm. Like I was a hard liquor drinker. Like, and I want to bring that concept up, right? A lot of people in our society, we've decided that hard liquor is somehow worse than beer or wine, or that wine is better or beer is better. And I don't mean better as in tastes better. That's obviously your own taste. Some people enjoy the taste of different types of alcohol, but that isn't the point. That's somehow how socially. Well, I drink wine, so I'm I'm okay versus I drink hard liquor, therefore I'm a bad person. But none of that's true. The, the issue is, are you using alcohol as a true escape or just as entertainment here or there, right? Are, what, what is your way of finding your, your, your temporary escape? They're all the same. The question is how you use it. Yeah. I could drink almost anybody under the table. Damn. Yeah. Will. Now, I want you to see what, what happens here. There's a pride that still goes along with this. And that pride is part of the unhealthiness. Specifically, now, Will's a lightweight. Well, Will's oh, he's a lightweight. such a lightweight. But, I used to be a hard one to keep yeah. up with. When I'm- Will Smith, to be full with you, they're teasing him. He's a lightweight. Ha ha ha. That's his wife, his mother-in-law, and his daughter teasing him because he's a lightweight. Will Smith makes the big dollars in that family. Will Smith's the hustler who put that family together. Will Smith is the man who kept that family together when Jada was sneaking out on other people. Will Smith was keeping the family together. So you can laugh about his lightweightness all you want. You don't have a family. You don't do this show without Will Smith. So you might want to check yourself on your ha-ha-ha lightweight guy. You don't have what you have now without him. 
He kept your family together. He put all the cash in. And Willow's a nobody without him. So I'm so, I like Willow, but I'm just paying forward. She's just another she's just another person out there without him. And I don't know who mother-in-law is. She's nobody without Will Smith. I know I may be being a bit harsh here. I get it. But come on, let's be real. They're laughing at him because he's lightweight. Yeah, maybe he doesn't throw his life away on alcohol. So he drinks sometimes. Lots of people drink sometimes. Move to red wine. I considered myself like, oh, this is better. This is better for me because they say the red wine it's is good for is you. good for you. Yes. you know. But drinking red wine for me was like drinking glasses of water. water. It yeah. wasn't even like. So I'm not drinking it like. You're like. I'm like. All right. Where's the next? Because I'm used to that hard hit. I was mm-hmm. drinking hard in high school too. And when I got out here, I was doing cocktails. So ecstasy, mm. alcohol, uh-huh. weed. Whoa. She was doing ecstasy, alcohol, weed. I know people who do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But I guess the point of the show is to try to talk about the problems that women are, are having. And the issues, you know, that we shouldn't be looking up to this and it's glamorized. And literally they talk about us being glamorized now and it's terrible. Yet she's looking back with fondness when she was abusing substances. Now, you might say, well, Larry, just because she's having exodus means she's abusing it. Correct. But she admits that she was abusing it. So it's not like it's just not my judgment. This is her judgment that she is abusing ecstasy, alcohol and weed and she's glamorizing it. So this is a, this is a bit hypocritical. What a combination! You were having a good old time. Let me you? tell you, I was having me a little ball. You mean I was like, this is not cocaine. This is not heroin. I wasn't doing things that I thought was addictive, but I would do those three together. That was my cock. So the piece I want to bring up here too is the same thing. For those of you who know my background, my mother was also an addict, and in fact, the woman here you're looking at right now, she also was an addict. She's uh, I think 25 or 30 years clean. So addiction runs in their family, right? That's the mom and then the, I'm sorry, grandma, mom, and daughter, right? So addiction runs in their family and they get it. I'm not mad at them for it. It's how it works. I got it. No judgment. I got it in my family too. No judgment. All I'm saying is you have addiction in your family and you know it. What are you doing? Right? I mean, what are you doing? You know, it's in your family. What are you doing? I know it's in mine. And I'm one of the squarest guys in the world. Why? I know it's in my family. I saw my mother go to jail over it. I saw my mom go to prison over it, lose everything over it. I know how that works. It's in my family. So I'm square, right? I mean, the, the only judgment, if any, is you know it's in your family. Shouldn't you be thinking differently, right? Shouldn't you be considering that? But even with that, her mother was a heroin addict. She says, well, I wasn't doing heroin or cocaine. My mother thought the same way. My mother was doing initially, you know, legal drugs and eventually illegal drugs. And she was doing, my my mom was in in, uh, working in the bank. So they were doing a high powered stuff. They were doing cocaine and stuff, right? So my mom actually told me once, she goes, well, you know, at least I was never shooting up. Is there really a difference? Or is it just someone trying to, Say that their addiction is better than someone else's. It isn't. It isn't. If your addiction, whatever that addiction is, whether that's, you know, some type of drug or alcohol or video games, I don't care what it is. If the addiction is hurting you and hurting those around you, 
It's a bad addiction. I don't care if it's food, which had become my addiction when I was in trouble, right? So when I was putting on my weight, that was my addiction. And it was hurting me and my family. And it was wrong. And just because I wasn't shooting up or drinking alcohol, still bad. Okay. Your threshold becomes so high mm-hmm. that what it takes for you to to get to the place you need to get to, yeah. it'll take me two bottles to get to, okay, if I do ecstasy, weed, and alcohol at the same time, I'm going to get there faster. And I can keep the high going because then so I can just keep it. drinking because I know ecstasy is yes. going to last me about oh three, God. four, five hours. Yep. The weed, you know, that's just going to keep me just smooth. And then the alcohol is going to keep it going. Like I'm I can just, just keep so taking drink, 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 drink. Regular old stoner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. Now, Willow's usually one of the savviest, right? One of the savviest of the bunch usually, right? And she goes, I'm just a regular old stoner. That isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing, right? If you want to get high, awesome, you get high. People want to get high, whether that high is through drugs or alcohol or exercise or spirituality, whatever. People want to get high with their friends. That's how humans are. I got it. If if your actions are hurting you, it's bad. I don't care if it's weed. I don't care if it's cocaine. If you just smoke weed to deal with your pain or handle things, that's fine. But if you're smoking weed to the point where you're hurting others or hurting yourself or being self-destructive, then even the weed is bad. But it isn't the weed. It's how you use it. So I don't like her being that, well, I'm just a regular stoner. Addiction's addiction. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not like, that sounds intense. Mm-hmm. Listen. That sounds like I listen, would. That everybody. sounds like no. You, you know can what that see sounds the like? Stress that I've been under as a recovery addict. You know what that sounds like? My family <laughs> that is not accepting of the fact mm-hmm. that addiction runs but deep. But I got it. I got it quick. Thank you. I- Grandma's right this time. You know, addiction runs in your family. You got to be extra careful, right? I mean, you know it runs in their family. You got to be extra careful. Got it quick. Like once Ugh. I was going for that third bottle of wine, I said, "You've got a problem." And I, mm-hmm. it was cold turkey that day. That day. That day, I just stopped. Wow. And yeah. never since. No. I mean, I'll have, like I've had a glass of wine here and there, yeah. but I cannot touch vodka. You're lucky. I cannot touch rum. Yeah. Rum's another one. No dark liquor. Well, it's funny. There are certain things that trigger you, right? I remember my mother used to tell me that she would sometimes watch TV and and watch people do drugs and say a movie or a TV show or something. And she said she could smell it. It would trigger her. She could smell it. Now, this is through TV. So clearly she couldn't smell it. But her brain triggered her. And she could actually smell it. I was like, wow. really? Yeah. She's like, I can smell it now. I can taste it now. And we're watching some TV show or some movie and someone's doing drugs in a movie or TV show. And she could actually you know, smell it like that. That was odd. Now, I don't have an addiction like that. My addiction is not towards uh, um, alcohol or drugs. But when it comes to things like sugar and food like that, many of you know I'm on the keto diet right now, so I rarely have carbs because I have a similar issue. Not the same, obviously. Every addiction is different, but similar to, you know, soda. I can't have soda. People who see me know that I rarely Ever. Most people have never seen me drink soda ever because I'm not the kind of person who can drink one soda. That's not what I do. I remember when I was first with my wife and early on our relationship, 
and she'd go out shopping and buy stuff when we would go buy whatever. And she'd come home and she'd have two or three, two liters of Coke or Pepsi in the fridge. And she'd be like, well, I bought them so we don't have to go buy them. And I'd be mad at her. I'd say, why'd you buy two or three of them? And she'd be like, what's wrong with you? Now you have soda for a couple of days. I'm like, no, now I got to drink two, two or three, two liters of soda now because it's here. And as a joke, right, that's kind of a joking, but it's not. I would kill four to six liters of soda in a day. Kill it, all of it, in, in a day because it was there. So now I don't even have it in, in the house anymore. None. None. I'll never forget, I was in New Orleans with Will. They had these lavender vodka drinks. Oh. Woo! I'm like, I haven't had vodka in years. But you know, I could try. Let me tell you, I had that lavender vodka drink. I had one. Mm -hmm. I had a second one. Mm -hmm. And I was craving for a third one. Mm -hmm. I haven't stopped thinking about that drink till this day. (laughs) I haven't stopped thinking about that drink till this day. Oh, my God. And this is an issue, isn't it? Let me grab a couple of comments. Some of you are, are getting this. Tom, thank you for checking in on Twitter. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, Grace says, hard to carry multi-million dollar action films when you're high. Yes. Mad respect for Will Smith. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Will Smith was out there doing it when she was not really doing that. Yeah. So Alexander says, that is really interesting that she can admit all these things in front of her daughter. I would have had an impossible time admitting to my child that I had done hard drugs. Well, I can tell you, Alexander, I had to have it with my mother. My mother had to admit all those things to me and we had to share it. And there is, if you're doing anything that you're hiding, right, from someone you love, whatever that thing might be, there is a freedom that comes from just talking about it, just coming out and say it. There's a freedom that does happen. The problem, of course, is will you be judged? And sadly, many times people will be judged. The one thing that, my mother and I had is no judgment. It is what it is. Very often she would tell me how she felt bad. And I would say, mom, if you need my forgiveness, you have it, but I'm not the one who needs to forgive you. You have to give yourself the demons you're fighting. Aren't my demons. They're yours. And that was far more important to her. She had to forgive herself. I did forgive her. And many times people can't forgive themselves. But opening up like this does allow you to as deal with it and come up with it and hopefully forgive yourself for whatever bad things you've done. Many addicts have done terrible things to get their addiction. If you know an addict, or if you are one, if you have one in your life, you know that very often when they can pick between the drug or you, they pick the drug. It's a common thing. So, yes, I, I think it is diff- tough. Grace says, I hear addicts say that too. I wasn't shooting up. It's the addict's brain talking. Yeah. Like that makes it okay. Oh, I was hurting people in my life. I was stealing from my brother, but I wasn't shooting up, so it's okay. I robbed my own father so that I could get my drugs, but I wasn't shooting up, so it's okay. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Absolutely. Dustin says, I think addiction has more to do with the environment. They show studies with rats. Um, Hold on. They they gave the heroin uh, in a a sterile, lonely environment versus the most demanding environment for the rats. The rats that had done better environment didn't touch the heroin really. Yeah, that was kind of my point, Dustin. when it, when it comes to this type of thing, the drug itself isn't the point, right? I mean, some people use different drugs. The drug itself isn't the point. The idea is, are you using it as an escape or are you using it as a, a temporary high? People want to get high with their friends. It doesn't have to be a drug. In the case of the rats, the rats will be high with their other friends, probably running around eating stuff, I guess. Is that what rats do? Whatever is the equivalent of a rat high, they want to get that. When they're alone by themselves, 
They'll take the heroin because there's no other high to get, which is why you find most people who are able to break their addiction do it with one critical thing, social support. That is the number one thing, whether you're using a drug or whether a drug to counteract that drug or whether you're using a 12-step program or whether you're using spirituality, whatever you're using, a patch, whatever you're using to stop your addiction, social structure and social support is the most important thing. And I gave my mother lots of social support. So that's the key. The rats, same thing. They want to, whatever, have rat society, whatever that is. They want that. Yes. Alexander says, BS, you did not quit. You can't go cold turkey if you indulge every, uh, indulge every now and then. It's interesting. I don't know. That's, 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 I don't really know, Alexander. And I don't really know. Torrent says, just smelling vodka gives you flashbacks. There we go. It's true, right? It goes off in your brain. Absolutely. Yes. Grace says, I don't want to sound judgmental, but I think Jada needs to stay off the wine. Maybe even step back from showbiz. Oh, my God. Yes. Alexander says, Larry, your soda addiction sounds exactly like my problem with chocolate milk. Don't worry, my friend. We'll get through it together. I appreciate that. Yes. Adrian says, I was drinking a lot before things started opening up. Now I have purpose back and no time to desire. Adrian, thank you for that. That's a critical piece. You're absolutely correct. Right. And that's, and we're going to cover that in a second. This is the issue. A lot of people started drinking a whole lot more and the data's already in when they started having to go leave and I mean, start get locked up in the room and not be able to do anything and not have that social connection. And when they lost that connection, they went to drugs. It was a common thing. In this case, they went to alcohol, a common problem. Absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. But that's when I realized I was like, Jada, you can't play no games. Yeah. And when I see vodka, even when I open up the refrigerator and they have those vodka spritzers in there and I mm-hmm. look at it, that grapefruit vodka combination, I'd be wow. like, She's still and looking let me at tell it. you the kind of discipline I have to put in. Because just because I have a problem with vodka, I can't tell. Well, you right. can't have vodka in the house. You can't yeah. do that. I'm not doing mm-hmm. all that. Totally. But I think also I'm a binger. Mm. Yes. Right. And I'm a binger. Your grandmother was a binger. binger. When it's time to your go, your paternal grandmother was. A we binger. gonna go. Yeah. So she got a grandma that was a binger. She got a mom who was an addict. She was an addict. And Willow thinks I'll be fine. It's in your family. What are you thinking? Right. So I wasn't the type of person that was drinking every day. Yeah. You know, I was like a weekend party girl. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like, yo, Thursday to Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday to Monday morning. Her mom's like, what are you? Why are you proud of this? See, mom used to be an addict, right? Heroin. That she used to be a heroin addict back in the day. 30, I think she's 30, 20, 25, 30 years clean. My mother was many. Hmm. 20 years clean? I forgot how many years clean. Maybe 20. I forgot how many years clean she was. But um, so, yeah, in, in this case, she's looking at like, why are you proud of this? Like, you shouldn't be laughing at this. That's what grandma's thinking I right now. Go. Like, just. But it never got to the point where it interfered with your being able to go to work. Did you ever. There was one incident. I had one incident. Daughter knows. That was an eye opening incident for me as well. I had one incident on Nutty Professor. I passed out. When you told me that story? Makeup trailer. That's when I you was like, You never told me that. No. Wow. I passed out. I went to work high, and it was a bad mm-hmm. batch of ecstasy. Lord have mercy. And I passed out. And I told everybody that I had taken, I must have had old medication in a <laughs> vitamin bottle. <laughs> That's what I'm so, 
the thing I want to bring up here is for is is one of the biggest issues. If you have an addict in your life, or if it's you, whatever it is, when they're lying, that's that's a problem, right? Because the lying now has to double down. Once the addict that you love lies to you, they don't want to come clean because they have to admit the lie. So what do they do? They double or triple down on the lie. So now they lie to you twice or three times or four times. And now they're so deep in the lie, they have a trouble coming out. What I would ask you, if you have an addict in your life and they come out and they all of a sudden say, I've been lying. As betrayed as you feel, you have to have some empathy for them. If you don't, they will go right back to their habits. You've got to have empathy for them. I didn't say sympathy. I said empathy. And that means you got to understand what they, what they went through. They've been lying for a long time. And to come clean, that means things are bad. And they're looking for a reason to go back to their bad behavior and to self-medicate. So if you're all like, you're a piece of garbage. You've been lying to me all this time. If you play that game, they're going right back. You got to be like, all right, you lied to me for three years. Okay. You ready to talk now? Are we ready? Are we ready to try to do something now? Are we good now? Now, it doesn't mean you forget because they betrayed you. But if you attack them now when they're weak, they're finished. But you might have some issues. You might feel betrayed. You might be upset. I'm only asking you to deal with that and to square that circle when they're not in this vulnerable position. Remember, and later when they're, when they're in a better place, now come back and say, you hurt me. We got to walk through this too. Let's walk through your addiction first. And then let's walk through how I felt. I walked through with my mother the pain that I felt. I felt betrayed by her. I felt many things. But when she was at her worst coming out of prison, I didn't do that. I shut my mouth and dealt with her first until she was up and prepared to have the conversation emotionally and mentally. And then we had the conversation. And then we hashed some things out. And of course, it wasn't pretty. When people you love betray you, that's never pretty. But there's a time for it. And if you're at the wrong time, you push that person right back into where they were. And if you love them, sometimes you got to be quiet. You got to deal with that. Hey, we will think on some lies, won't we? Hey. Oh, my God. But I tell you what I did, <laughs> though. Got my ass together and got on that set. Yeah. That was the You're last hard. time. Like, I... Whew. Take heed. I would never do something like But that's that. why I was on you always. I stay on because you, Jaden, and Trey. Because I grew up with my mother, who was a heroin addict, and still it didn't sink into me. Yeah. Any mind-altering substance. I don't care what it is. All y'all young people talking about weed is from the... Look how self-righteous she is. She's proud of what she did. And like, well, I'm on you now, because... Cause you haven't learned your lesson? I, I and I'm like this. I'm you like, know, it's a gate. You know. Oh, it's a gate. So now weed's no good. Okay. Look, I get what Jada's coming from. I do. The reality of it is, it's not a sort of gateway drug. For me, soda is a gateway drug to me eating pizza every day and putting on 40 pounds. For me, it is. So no one should have sugar? No one should have soda? Lots of people have lots of soda and don't put on 40 pounds. Enjoy. That's you. Me, it doesn't work. 
So just because Jada can't handle vodka doesn't mean her daughter can't. However, her daughter probably shouldn't. You literally have four generations. Sorry, if you don't include Willow, you've got three generations of addicts in your life. I I think Willow should be a bit more careful. Let me grab a couple of uh, comments here if I could. Um, Grace says, it sounds like Jada's still in pain. Yep, I think so. Um, I hope Willow gets help if she needs it. Me too, I agree. Dustin says, yes, most addiction is usually some sort of self-medication. Yes, 100%. Or coping with trauma they dealt with in the past. Very well. Yes, 100%. Very true. To be clear, that's addiction. I think peep, some people can enjoy other things. Or they get high other ways, right? You don't have to just get high with either alcohol or drugs. There's many ways of getting high. So Grace says, I get what your mom was saying about smelling the alcohol, Larry. I can still be at a party where no one's smoking and still smell cigarettes because I was a social smoker. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, smoking too. Absolutely. Olinsky, how are you, sir? 14 years sober, Larry. Congrats. Don't miss it at all. I welcome others on the adventure. And that's what I like, right? I, I like the idea that there are people who've gone through it and can say, I got you, right? Let's have that conversation. Yes. Macy says, support the sharp way. Yeah, you can. Like, comment, share. She's right. Like, comment, share. That's an easy way of supporting the sharp way. I appreciate that. And of course, always go off and take the world's smallest political quiz. I bug you all the time. Why? Because those are my sponsors. We're going to keep doing this. Take the world's smallest political quiz. It's in the link description. Click there, take it, and share it. If you've already taken it, then share it. Let other people know that it's out there. Where do you stand politically? Take the quiz and you'll find out. Absolutely. It's very, it's, I, I would love for you to do that. Please do that. And if you want to support the show, Please, patreon.com slash shortway. Throw me 10 bucks. Absolutely, throw me 10 bucks. But if you haven't liked the show yet, why haven't you liked the show? Like it. It does matter. Like the show. Please do that. Alexander says, Bin's culture seems to be a thing. Yes. Oh, my God, Alexander. Yes. People are no longer satisfied with, with moderation. It goes hand in hand with self-gratification. Rather than self-reflect, people turn to their first distraction. Binging is not just, you know, drugs. Binging is literally a thing for Netflix. You sit and, and binge an entire season. You watch 12 hours of uh, some series you love in a row. Well, those 12 hours you're watching, and now if you get six or seven hours of sleep or whatever, however long you sleep, that's the whole day gone. All you did was watch TV the whole day. Not that I'm against people enjoying TV sometimes. Everybody needs a break, right? You all need a break. But if you're binging every weekend, for 12, 13, 15, 17, 18 hours, that's ah, a problem. That's all you're doing. Bin's culture is a thing. I think you're absolutely right. And there's a piece, it's a piece of our culture that does this too. The idea that you can't do something until a certain time. It's a com- it scares people. It does. And what I mean by that, I'll go to alcohol in this case. I'm so young enough to remember when drinking, I'm old enough, not young enough, I'm old enough to remember when drinking was 18, or you could drink alcohol at 18, now it's 21, right? The goal of it, of raising the drinking age, ostensibly was to get beer out of high school, right? I thought, well, if, if, if we raise drinking age, there'll be less kids who were 18, 19 in high school to get the beer and bring it to the kids legally so that there'll be less beer in high school. That actually worked. There was less beer. There was still beer, but there was less beer. That's true. It did work. There was less beer. So what happened? It was more weed. 
kids went and got the illegal substance because it was easier to get weed than it was to buy illegal beer. So more kids wanted to get high because kids want to get high, right? So they decided, well, we'll go ahead and get weed instead. Well, weed's illegal. So where'd you get weed? Would you smoke weed? Not in your house. You didn't. You smoked it outside. You, you, you smoke it in hiding, which now creates the environment that that's where you do your drugs. You do them among away from everyone else, someplace else with a couple of your friends. That's what it becomes. That becomes your culture. So now you go off to college. You haven't really drunk. You don't really know how to drink, really, because you really haven't done it much in high school. You smoked weed or something like that, but you didn't really drink that much. So now you go to one of those cool parties with the cool kids and you get drunk. And what happens? Massive amounts of binge drinking, date rape like there's no more. Not that it wasn't date rape before. That was far more from when I was a kid, right? That happening because people are getting blackout drunk, uh, people dying of hazing. All that stuff went up from when I was a kid. Why? Because when I was a kid, you drank in your mom's basement when you were 16, 17. That's what you did. And you blacked out there with your cousins and your brother and your sister or whatever. And it wasn't that bad, right? They might have teased you, but that was it. And you figured out how to handle alcohol. Could you handle And you were better when you got to college. You still did dumb things. College kids do dumb things. But it was better when you got to college. And you drank in front of others. So even that became more common. You weren't hiding your, your, your addiction. So I completely think you binge drinking is a thing heavily because we've moved it to 21. So anyway, yes. Um, Grace says, research has shown that cigarettes are also the biggest gateway drug to hard drugs. Ooh, look at that. Cigarettes, you smokers. It's gateway drug. So yes. Alexandra says, studies confirm a correlation between caffeine consumption at early age and increased likelihood of cocaine uses later in life. Well, I'm, I'm glad I drink coffee later in life. No coke for me. Yes, no coke for me. Of course, Grace says, get addicted to freedom. Get high on liberty. I'm with you. Absolutely. So let's hear what uh, Willow's going to talk about. It's every a Every year. All of it is I from the earth. God all damn of it is from the damn earth. Every so is year, heroin. Every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know my body, and it's taken me a long time to understand. Okay, a long time. You're like nine. Stop. What works best for me. You're but 12. It's imperative for me to stop smoking every year for at least two months. This is my fourth year doing it now. That's the magic thing. See, just stop smoking. For two months, and you'll never be addicted. She's done. Oh, I know, but I think the day that you decide to do it all together will be a very happy day for me. Well, no, I it'll be a day that you'll see. For you guys. I think that's you'll great see something different. For you guys. <laughs> it is. I think that's awesome. You know. No, I get it. Yeah, it's you great know, for you guys. Has their journey. I'm grateful that that's all you are dealing with because when I was the your ecstasy, age the I was doing alcohol that's See? what I'm saying I'm like you're, you're trying to get on me I'm, I'm like addict. you was much worse than me it can get See really that? you're worse than me you heard was oh you're a bad at you did ecstasy that's way worse than my weed I, I guess I don't know you did ecstasy and alcohol and and so clearly you're evil and I'm fine Mm. Messed She's up. I would always want, like, if you guys saw something in me that was like, oh, that's a downward spiral that is going to catch her real quick. That's why you they, have to trust the eyes around they you just because told you, you won't know. Yeah. Exactly. And that was the thing with She's me. Like, yeah, Don't I think that people you. didn't try to tap me on my shoulder. Willow's like, yeah, she ignores you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm going to ignore you. Yeah. Don't think that when I was at Debbie Allen throwing up all over her house. Lord have mercy. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah. Jesus. 
that she wasn't like, hey. Totally. Mm -hmm. But I had to reach my rock bottoms. Yeah. I mm -hmm. wish I could have been a fly on the wall to just see how crazy. I, was out of I wish I could have too, so I could have yanked her ass up. Swear <laughs> to God. I think back on my life, I'm like, I am a walking miracle. You are. Wow. No doubt about it. You are a walking miracle. People would not believe this one is too. So, is that what has to happen? Maybe I haven't fallen down the same way they've fallen down. I've fallen down hard in my life. I'm sure many of you have also. I don't, maybe I'm taking this the wrong way. And I'm happy you could tell me if you think I'm taking it the wrong way. I feel like she is really being self-centered about this. And like, I'm a miracle. No, you're a human being. I'm happy you got up. I am. I'm happy you got up. But of course, part of the reason why you're able to get up is because of your position, right? That's part of it. I'm not saying that that's the only reason. Of course not. You have to take responsibility and step up. But when hubby's Will Smith, I'm just saying it's easier is all I'm saying. It's easier when you got that support structure, when you got that cash behind you, it's easier. That's for sure. Yeah. I guess I'm just kind of a little fuddy-duddy on the side. <laughs> Thank you, God. No. Right now we have Dr. Jessica Mellinger, and she is a liver disease specialist at the University of Michigan who has witnessed shocking trends over the past year. These are Thanks some interesting trends. about this topic. It's a good one. Yeah, tell us what you've been seeing. We've been seeing astronomical uh, increases in hospital stays for young women with alcohol-related yes. liver disease, something we previously kind of thought happened mostly just in middle-aged men. So just really... You have found that recently, these last two years, women have really been drinking a whole lot more than they have in the past. Now, men drink more too. Like everybody's been drinking more. But by percentage, men were drinking a whole lot more than women were. Oh, now women are passing men. Women are up there rocking and rolling, getting hammered. And a lot of it's because of how they now market it and people feel it and how society has accepted it. Plus, to your point earlier, Adrian, people staying home without their social structure. Really surprising. Wow. It well, women are drinking more heavily. Women are starting to drink like men, you know, and so yep. they're starting to get liver disease have you been able to identify when this uptick is actually happening in a woman's life? Mm, in the yeah. 40s and 50s is still kind of the biggest chunk of people. Bingo. 40s and 50s. This is heavily two things. One, it starts in the 30s. So that's what they see in the 40s and, and, and 50s, right? It begins in the 30s, right? Because you don't get liver disease overnight. It takes years to get liver disease, right? So you start in, in women's in their 30s and then goes 40 and then goes 50s, right? What is that? Several things. But the number one thing that is, is a woman losing her purpose. That's what it is. It's a woman losing her purpose, right? Maybe her children leave, or maybe she gets divorced, or maybe she, she's been in her job and she's been successful at her job. The amount of times I've seen this, you guys know that a lot of my work is in executive coaching. Many times I've found Women who feel like they've gotten to where they need to be, right? They feel that I'm accepted now as this business person that I wanted to be accepted as. My career is on track, right? The career is on track. And by the time a woman's in her 30s and 40s, very often if she's a, if she's a professional woman, 
Very often at that point, her career is on track and she knows where she's going. She now feels comfortable in her own skin. She's comfortable in her career. Men too, obviously, but women feel that. They're, okay, I'm good. But now they're thinking, is this all? It's a common thing that most men don't feel, but most women do, right? So if you haven't gotten your other relationships, other aspects of your life squared away in your world, and you're a male, very often male goes, I'm good. My career's on track. I'm good. A woman often goes, I'm good. My career's on track. And what about the rest of my life that I want to round my life out and be holistically happy? And very often they struggle. One of the reasons is they didn't, they, they did what many people do. They focused on their career and they were successful. Well done. They didn't focus on other aspects of their life. And sometimes they struggle. Or the reverse. With the COVID, it affect, with the COVID lockdowns, it affected women more than men. You saw the reverse in the last crash, in the 2009 crash, it affected men far more than women. And what happened? Male addiction shot up. Drinking and addiction shot up in males because all of a sudden people who were 30, 40, and 50 were getting laid off and their careers were shot and the men were lost. Well, now the women had that happen to them in this one. This one was, this lockdown affected women far more than men. So the women now, some of them, are, some of this is women who've got their career on track and now go, now what? And others are women who all of a sudden got fired and their career shot. And they go, now what? My career shot. I got responsibilities. I got people who depend on me. Now what do I do? A lot of that happened. And now what would happen? Most people would then go off and find some type of social connection to say, how do I handle this? What do I do? I'm in trouble. And with the lockdowns, that didn't exist that we see with this. But the rates of women in their 20s and 30s and early 40s are starting to really catch up with that. Wow. I've seen a lot more of my peers, specifically during the pandemic, um, drinking a lot more. What we do find is that a large percentage of the population of young people, 18 to 29-year-olds, almost one in four, are reporting that they had an alcohol use disorder in the last year. That's that most severe form of addiction, right? That's not just... I misused alcohol once in a while. And that younger age group, we're just seeing those numbers go up and up and up. I've Mm -hmm. definitely seen friends and family members become excessive drinkers over the pandemic. And it's really hard to talk to people about it because. So stop calling it the pandemic and instead call it what it is, the lockdowns. The lockdowns cause this. And we act like we're shocked. I called this over a year ago, literally on video. I said, you're going to see this happen. This is going to be a problem. The social damage is going to be shown. And here it is. Well, Larry, the pandemic, I got it. It's tough. I'm with you 100%. But what many people don't understand is the actual rate of suicide from last year to this year actually went down. The overall number of suicides went down in America. People don't realize that. It's true. Except in the youth, it went up. Yeah. So while all all over, it went down, except in the youth, it went up. The younger people are the ones who are paying the price for this because their careers are over. Their lives are over. They can't handle this. They are having lots of issues and concerns. I think that women are, are targeted in a certain way in the marketing of how, you know, like Wine Wednesdays and or mimosas yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been difficult to even talk to people that have had excessive drinking issues. I think you're absolutely correct that that's exactly what's happening is that mm-hmm. we have a culture that is really kind of promoting drinking as just what you do to you know, end your day, to cope with problems. 
when I walk through hospital gift shops, there's alcohol paraphernalia, there's wine glasses, there's shot glasses. In a hospital wine gift purses, shop. If you can believe this, you know, a, a purse that has a little spigot on it that you can, you know, put wine in. If you're buying a wine purse, you might have a problem. And then hide it. And I think it's kind of a normalization of heavy drinking. And it's a normalization of using alcohol in a way that is kind of a coping mechanism. Yeah, like it's okay to drink alcohol when you're depressed or bored or feeling lonely. Yep. That's yeah. the thing to do. Yeah, and I've seen it when, you know, shopping out in the stores, you know, wine glasses that say wine is cheaper than therapy. Yes. You know, this, yeah, this normalization of it, this normalization of that behavior. That. glamorization of it you know you watch tv you see women relaxing with big glasses of wine and we're not talking big ones yeah yeah the big ones what are some of the signs of the liver disease the signs can be pretty dramatic and i was able to arrange i want to move uh, i want to move some of these comments if i can you guys give me a bunch of comments i appreciate that adrian says it has to be hard i was prescribed benzos for anxiety so could tell my family when getting off and because it was doctor sanctioned addiction I could be deemed as acceptable. Yeah, see, there's the other piece, right? At, at one point, you know, certain things are okay and certain things aren't. What I would argue is one of the reasons why I share my own flaws so often, and I'm going to pump my book for a second. If you care about my, my book, it is coming out for pre-order end of this month and it'll be out next month. But it's on happiness and I share a lot of my pain. And I share it not to show I'm a miracle because I'm not. I share it to, so that people understand it's okay to talk about falling down. If you've never fallen down, you've never done anything. So if you're watching this, you have fallen down in your life in some way. You have felt like the world's ending. Of course you have. Question is, do you feel like you're alone or not? And I hope that you don't feel alone and that you can tell somebody because it's, it is acceptable. Whatever your problem is, it's acceptable because someone else has had it. Right. Torrance asks off topic, but what do you feel about weed as a gateway drug? I feel it depends on the individual on what gates they're looking for. Yeah, weed is not a gateway drug. That's a fact. It's just not. Um, anything is a gateway drug, depending upon what you're trying to achieve. Right. I mean, it isn't. It's just, it just isn't. So, yeah. Um, let's see if I can do this. Uh, Dustin says correlation is not equal causation with the gateway drug data. Collect. Correct. Also, um, Amani says, hey, Amani says uh, the fear of the pandemic also caused bewilderment. Yes. Yes, that worry, that concern, absolutely. More people drinking, right? Absolutely. And and the worst part is some people get high or escape because of their job. And now you lost your job, right? When I do my leadership classes, I would tell many of the leaders that when someone is having a hard time, a personal time, um, struggling, death, addiction, whatever the problem may be at home, I tell them, don't automatically give them time off. That isn't always the right answer. Ask them what they need. For some people, they need to get home and deal with the issues. And for some people, work's an escape. Depends upon what you're dealing with and who you are. So to your point, now I'm afraid. I got this on my mind. Well, what did I used to do? I used to go to work. And I would forget about all the other stuff and just do my job. And, and that was kind of my way of escaping. It was a healthy way of escaping to go do that. Well, now I don't have my job to go to anymore. Now what? Now I don't have an escape. I got to sit home all day and think about my problems. Well, alcohol seems like a really good plan. I'm going to zip past a little bit here. She talks about things like uh, a liver and stuff. And I don't think we care about that. So I'm going to zip past it. Let's see if I can grab this here. 
Is it working? Hold on, my my internet's going slow here. But my my you point started being, drinking yes. really early. Early, in life. yeah. We yes. have to always remember too that there's really two diseases going on here. There's an alcohol mm-hmm. use disorder and there's a liver disease. Yeah. And we don't want to forget about the first one. Right. Now let me ask you Listen because you're using alcohol use disorder instead of just saying alcoholism. Why? They've changed the word now. Now it's not alcoholism. It's alcohol use disorder. A-U-D, alcohol use disorder. There's a part of me that that bothers me to hear that. But there's a part of me that I'm like, you know what? If that's what gets you help, fine. But I don't know. I guess you have to, right? I remember, I remember when I was a kid. And if you ever watch the old Good Times TV show or the Jefferson's TV show, they use the same phrase I used as a kid. An, alco- an alcoholic or someone who was addicted on the street was always called a wino. If they use alcohol, they were called the wino. And if they used any type of hard drugs, they were called the junkie. That's what we called them always. Now that's a terrible term. And I think the, the, it's a valid point. If I called somebody a wino or a junkie, they would be mad at me and they wouldn't want to help me. But if I said they had a disorder, I guess they probably would be more open to help. So while I feel like the the PC part of this just rubs me the wrong way, like it feels wrong, I get why the doctor's doing it, if that makes any sense. Why is that? We've moved away from using terms like alcoholism or addiction because people have told us that they feel stigmatized by it. Not everybody is willing to admit right off the bat that they have an addiction. So what I tell my patients is, you know, I don't care what term you use to describe yourself, just recognizing the reality of what's going on. And Mm -hmm. I try to stick with the terminology my patients are comfortable with. If they want to use alcoholism or addiction, I'm not so bad anymore, whatever. And I speak with them and if they don't, we don't. I'm told that there's a self-assessment quiz for people to know if they're drinking too much. Yeah, they go by the term, the cage questions. The first is, do you feel like you need to cut back? Um, and this, this by the way, is brilliant. That- this, by the way, is brilliant. The idea of going through several questions is brilliant. I do it often when I'm talking to people who seem to think they ha- they may or may not have a problem, whatever their social problems might be, or business problems too. I'll use several questions, and there's some logic behind this. First sign, this is what I get asked a lot by people. How do I know I'm drinking too much? Mm-hmm. And well, if you feel like you might be, that's probably a good that's sign one. that that you should really think about cutting yep. back or stopping altogether. Do you get annoyed by people who talk to you about cutting back? Do you yeah. feel guilty about your drinking? And then that's the idea of hiding it. Yep. That's the idea of hiding. You feel guilty. Do I have to hide it? Right. If I have to hide my activities, those activities are probably probably a problem. That's not a hundred percent rule. But it's a good general rule, right? You feel guilty about something you're doing? Probably not good. Eye opener when you get up in the morning. Mm. Yep. Answering yes. any one of those, What's an you know, could be a sign that you've got uh, an alcohol use problem. Me up to get so let me ask you a question. So, if but I hold have on. A friend- the piece I want to bring up here is there. The reason why one of them doesn't matter is because if you're in trouble and you're in denial, it's very easy to explain away any one of those, right? I remember I used to use a series of questions for people who were in trouble. I would ask questions like, you know, there's, there's about seven or eight or nine. I, I forgot the list of them now of whether you're an alcoholic, that you might be an alcoholic. One of them is, do you drink every day? Now, the reality of it is you can drink every day and not be an alcoholic. It's not, it's not, it's not, that doesn't mean you are one, but maybe, 
You could have an easy excuse as why maybe you have a, a glass of wine every night or something. This sort of doesn't mean you're an alcoholic, but maybe just one. Two, do you drink alone? If you just drink alone, eh, maybe you do. Maybe you wake up in the morning or maybe you have dinner at night by yourself, whatever. It's possible drinking alone. It's fine. Do you drink till you black out? Now, drinking to black out once in a while might not mean you're an alcoholic, but it might. But add all three? Yeah, you probably are. And the cage thing is important because as you walk down the road, it's very easy for anyone to excuse away a specific thing. It's really hard to excuse away a pattern. And you're looking for a pattern. I do it for business, individuals, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. You have someone in your life you care about. Don't ask them one question. Ask them three, four, five, six, seven. If you ask a bunch of them and they're all yes or like six out of seven are yes, you ask them, how do you explain the pattern? And they're going to fumble. And the hope is once the facade is broken, they'll be open to hearing things. But any one question, anyone who has bad behavior will always explain away one, four, five. Tough to explain. Tough. So Grace says, Work in school will my escape from the problems of life. You are right, Larry. Work has ther- work was therapeutic for me. Yeah, exactly. And it can be, which is why I, I always tell managers, ask your people when they're in trouble if they want time off or not, right? Because if you give them time off, they may take it because they think they're supposed to. But maybe they're like you, Grace, and work is going to help them. They're going to be better at home after they you know deal with this, they, their therapeutic at work. So they're actually better at home versus staying at home and being miserable, making things worse. But that's not everyone. You got to ask. Sam says, I'm not a fan of patients redefining or dancing around the term alcoholism. Isn't acceptance the first of getting help? It's a valid point. Addicts dodging is never a good sign. Asking recovering addict. It's, it's a valid point, Sam. So I, I'm torn on this, right? If, if the good doctor is getting success, maybe I shut up. Because I want success more than I want. But I get it. It feels bad to me, too. I agree completely. But again, she's a liver doctor. So by the time they get to her, it may not be as important if that makes any sense, right? She's not an alcoholism doctor. She's a liver doctor. So it may be different for her. But I get what you're saying. And who feels as though drinking a bottle of wine by herself is okay. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) I think the straight answer is no. I'd say that's a problem. And that's I think it speaks to something that many of us are unaware of. What is a drink? What is right. one drink? What one standard unit of alcohol and one drink would be a shot. One shot, mm-hmm. like one and a half ounces of hard liquor, like vodka or whiskey. One can of beer, a standard 12 ounce can of beer is one yeah. drink. Okay. Four to five ounces of wine. So there's about five glasses of wine per bottle, roughly. Ooh. And many people are having much more than that. I had yes. a patient who said she was only having three drinks a day. She wasn't certain why she you know, had liver disease. Come to find out that she was actually pouring about six shots worth of, um, of alcohol into each drink. And so she's actually drinks. having 18 drinks <gasps> per night. And if you're a woman... And you don't have liver disease. This is for people who don't have alcohol use disorder or liver disease or an alcohol medical mm-hmm. issue. Anything over one drink a day is really too much. That's important wow. for people to know well, what those recommendations are. So let me move on to the next person. Another person next comes up, in. Mother of three, Annie Grace was a rising star in the marketing world until happy hour turned into two bottles of wine a night. Poised, driven, and ambitious, Annie Grace was just 26 when named vice president of a multinational company. 
She never imagined she her after-hours work drinks would nearly cost her everything. I'm so terrified. Can you please rescue yourself? Please. Annie found her purpose after hitting rock bottom. She created This Naked Mind, a program that has empowered millions to change their relationship with alcohol. So now she's going to make some cash. Good for her. Make some cash. I got it. Um, she's a marketing guru, so she knew how to market herself. Well done. She's on TV now. No worries. Love it. I for her. was global head of marketing for a wow. company headquartered in London. Now she will say, she will tell her story all over the world. You know, she will clearly, I mean, this, this is the same as she's a marketing guru. I'm not taking anything away from her. Maybe her story is amazing, whatever, but she's going to say how awesome she was. She's going to cry and tell us how bad things happened. And then she used the magic that she came up with, which is, which is fine. Please buy her book if you want it. But the point I want to bring up here is whatever book she tells you to buy, the book might be great and it might be garbage. I don't, I don't know. But if the book is what gets you change, buy the book. If it looks like it might work for you, buy your book. Why do I say that? The reality of it is the data is already in. None of it matters whether it's a book or a patch or whatever. What matters is the community that comes with it. If a community comes with whatever you use to break your addiction, it will work. Oh, sorry. The odds are higher that it will work. If the community does not come with it, it's probably not going to work. And her book may be amazing, but it doesn't matter. If you just read the book, you go, nice book. It's not going to help. But if there's a community that comes along with it, if you get support, if it gets you to find the right people, home run, you got a shot at fixing whatever you got to fix. International trips where the booze was just flowing Mm -hmm. and drinking two bottles of wine every single night. When was the moment that made you go? You drank three bottles. You're going, stop with your. You drank three bottles, had ecstasy and whatever else you had. Like she was bad. Whoa, something's really wrong here. There was this one time I asked my four-year-old to come sit on my lap. And he said, no, mom, you smell bad and your teeth are purple. (laughs) And Mm, it was just like, yep. What is happening? Like, how can I mm-hmm. be showing up for my kids like this? And it was these little moments. I was coming back from a super boozy work trip. I'd mm-hmm. been up till three in the morning the night before. I went down into the hotel bar and said, oh, gosh, I just need something. She said, I can give you a screwdriver, which is one of those little lines. Yep. If I don't drink hard alcohol first thing in the morning, then I'm still okay. I'm mm-hmm. still not over the line. I'm, right. I'm still, not, still not a problem. And so I said, oh, and that part's real, right? A lot of people who are addicts, when they're looking at this, they're trying to figure out, you know, am I still okay? I haven't crossed, so I could keep going. And they come up with these rules and regulations. I'm really in pain, and I had this headache, and I said, I just have to get home to my kids. And so I, I ordered one, Excuse. and I had two or three. Mm-hmm. And I got to Heathrow Airport, and I'm sitting in the airport, and I'm just in tears, and I'm writing in my journal. And I remember writing the words, am I an alcoholic? Mm. And just really, for the first time, seeing that kind of in black and white. The thing was, at that point in my journey, I had been trying to cut my back. Journey. I had done all sorts of things. I said, you know, no drinking till the weekend. Yeah. Or yeah. just yeah. one glass. I had all of these rules. And everyone I would break. And I stopped being able to really look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking. I, you know what? I got to say, I feel bad saying this. But I, I don't believe her. Is it me? 
I feel almost like this is a setup almost. Why can't I do this for my kids? You know, I'm smart. I'm together. I have it in control in all other parts of my life. But this one thing, like it has got me. Yeah. And why can't I do this one thing? Right. And so I'm sitting there and I'm asking the question that I've been asking for years now. I mean, she's journaling. What is my problem? What's wrong with me? Right. And I had this moment that I can only describe as like some divine moment where I said. God stepped in. Nothing's wrong with you. Find out why. Ooh. Find that's out what's so changed. Powerful. Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's not powerful. So that's I'm not a myself. good one. No. It's, that's what? Why is that good and powerful? Did I miss something? Why is that good and powerful? All right. Maybe I missed it. Um, I feel okay. Tell me your promises. Maybe I missed Two something. promises. I said, you know, okay. I'm going to stop trying to stop drinking. I'm going to let myself off the hook. I'm going to wow. give myself some self-compassion because this roller coaster of shame and blame and trying these rules and breaking yeah. these rules, it was losing my soul. Yeah. I was I'm losing touch with myself. Trying I did not trust drinking. myself anymore. And I said, you know what? You've been doing the best you can with these tools you have. Give yourself compassion. Take a year mm-hmm. and find out why. So take a year, find out why. And then, okay, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't trust her. Maybe I'm wrong on this one. Like, I don't, I don't think, I feel like, I mean, she was taking videos of herself and journaling. This is about she was planning to write the book or something. I mean, maybe we're going to find out five years later she's a grifter or something. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, mean, I don't know the woman at all. I could be wrong. I'm just telling my feelings. Like, I mean, that's what people want to hear, right? When, if you're an addict, you want to hear, you're perfect. Nothing's wrong with you. Find out why the rest of the world is punishing you in some way. Is that what she just said? So don't try to stop drinking. Just figure out why the world sucks. I, is that what she said? I hope I'm wrong on this one. I, I'm, not the, I'm, not, I'm not the only one. You guys are saying it too. Yep. Grace is like, I missed it too. Yep. Sam, when being a victim is currency, lots of things become powerful. Well said, Sam. Dustin, I missed it too, Larry. Yes, absolutely. Grace says, found out by buying my book. Yes. <laughs> Nicely done, Grace. See, you can take a year off and do that. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Buy my book. Yeah, it might be a good book. I don't know. It mm, seems so like I she- went on this journey and I wrote down every single journey. reason I drank. And I just started learning Got that it. all those reasons learning. I was drinking. Alcohol relaxes you. No, it doesn't. It releases cortisol, the stress hormone. So you decided, to be clear, what I did was I started learning about alcohol. Now, to be forward, there is some strength in that, right? And I think people who believe they have uh, any type of disease or problem very often will get very aggressive and learn about the issue they're dealing with, right? Or someone you love, right? If you have cancer or your kid, you know, has some kind of disease or you have a heart problem, whatever the thing is, someone you love has a heart problem, you start learning about that thing, right? Like there's no tomorrow because you want to know about it. You want to have some control, so what, what she's saying does make sense, right? You'd want to learn about if you think you're an alcoholic or you have al- alcohol use disorder, right? If you have that, then you probably do want to learn a lot about it. I think that part makes sense. But you can't learn about it until you accept that you have to stop, right? I mean, otherwise, why would I learn about cancer if I didn't think I had cancer, right? Why would I learn about heart problems if I didn't think my wife had a heart problem or something? I don't know if I'm buying this story. Wow. It does. does. And adrenaline. 
That's crazy. I didn't Alcohol know makes things more fun. No, it doesn't. It actually numbs your ability to feel pleasure mm -hmm. so that you think nothing's fun without alcohol because of all the past alcohol you've been drinking. Right. <laughs> like neurochemically, that's sure what that's happens in the brain. And so right, I look at this and about okay. a year later, I walk out of my office. I tell my husband, if you want to drink with me again, tonight's the last night because I'm done after this. So just to be clear what she just said, if I got this. So she was still an alcoholic, blacking out, drinking in the morning. Her kids didn't want to be with her. And she stayed an alcoholic for another year, actively drinking, and decided to learn about alcohol while she was actively drinking. Okay. It's, it's stretchy to me, but maybe it's real. And I guess during this time as you took your videos and journaled so that you could go in your book. He looks at me, he's like, mm, there was no trust there. Well, he didn't believe yeah. me, but sure enough, I I'll really was now. done. You recorded um, yourself doing one of your worst, worst moments. moments. A few minutes of boost and relax. I'm so you recorded yourself during your worst moments. I'm not sure I'm buying this. Am I mean? I don't want to be mean, guys. I just don't want to I lie. I know a lot of people have those moments. I always hear people share about calling out to God. Yeah. Yes. But not on TikTok. Moments of recognizing that right? addiction has taken over and there's nothing that they can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't remember you, making those videos. I well, have there's nothing you can do. Oh, you have lots of them. You don't remember any of them? So they didn't go live on Facebook or TikTok or whatever? You just put them all in, the, in your phone? Okay. Look, I don't mind you calling out to God if you have problems. I'm okay with that. But what's the old saying? God helps those who help themselves. You still got to take some responsibility. Am I, am I wrong here? Guys, I feel like I'm being mean. Help me out. Am I being no. mean? If I am, tell me. I'll yeah. shut up. Maybe I'm so being Andy, mean. So, Annie, you have a whole program called This Naked Mind. This Naked Mind just started as my it's own whole journey. Program. I realized I wanted my mind. It's your own journey. Remember, if you want to sell anything to women, it has to be a journey. I know that sounds so sexist, and I don't care. It's absolutely true. If you're a marketer, just say it's a journey. And when we go, oh, a journey, I'm in. Call it a journey. Women freaking want to buy it. I don't know why, but it's just so true. And to be naked. I didn't want to be influenced or controlled by anything else. Wiping your mind. I love Wiping it. Yeah. And when I put it out into the world, it resonated. People started writing me in letters. It worked where nothing else worked, where they mm -hmm. had tried everything and they'd felt as stuck as I felt. And now millions of people around the world have been impacted and helped because they're also able to feel really empowered to change their behavior from an emotional place. Wow. I hear you have three pillars. Three pillars. Okay, she had the three pillars. She came up with that. That's true. Sam says, hard to have that level of muscle control when you're blackout drunk. Zero camera shake. Really? I know. I'm super drunk. And man, I must have brought, I guess she brought her tripod with her. I don't know. I, see, I'm not the only one thinking this. She sounds like she's full of it. I could be wrong. I don't know her. But man, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. I'm not. I mean, it sounds, Brace says, it sounds like a gimmick. Or maybe she's a victim of selfie culture. Maybe she's other issues as well. All those things, maybe. So Dustin says, her book says control alcohol, not quit. Oh, you're going to control alcohol. Let's control it. I like that. It's about control, all right? So yeah, 
Brian says, call it a journey or call it a diet or call your diet a journey. Home run. Brian, next book for you, brother. Whatever you write, just say, not a diet, but a journey. Boom. Tons of cash. Absolutely. Yes. Grace says, we only need our come to Jesus moment, but she seems to be making money off it too. Grace, I actually don't even mind that either. My Look, if you have a good come to Jesus moment, Grace, and you can help others with it, and you make some cash on it, I'm actually okay with that. My worry is what Sam's saying. I'm not sure it was a real come to Jesus moment. And if it is, and if it was, I should say, then just talk about the real come to Jesus moment. Don't make a year-long journey and a year-long book and a year-long thing. That's a lie. If it really was, and maybe she did have, maybe when her kid told her that, that snapped her. I mean, it's possible. Tell that story. Or, or, or be honest and say, I wanted to write a book about a journey, so I did this so I could write the book about it, which is still open, and I'm okay with that. Now you're saying, look, I, I didn't think that if I just told you about my kid, anybody would change. But I thought if I wrote this book, that people would change. Okay, I'm in. That's wonderful. That, that, that's wonderful. But I feel like she's trying to scam us and not be honest, and that bothers me. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like she's just tell the truth. Hey, I thought if I wrote a cool book that people would 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 change. So I wrote this cool book. I had already changed the year before, but I went through this, you know, as an exercise. All right, fine. No worries. Now you're being honest and I can decide if I want to buy your book or not. Pillars that helped you stop drinking. What are they? The three pillars are action, emotion, and knowledge. Action, action emotion, knowledge. And okay. so you can take the action. Day one, you mm-hmm. stop. And then stop. hope that the knowledge and the emotion catch up. Right. Possible. Or... You can get the knowledge, and that's what I did, and I didn't even know yeah. I was doing it. I got all this knowledge. Right. Alcohol okay. doesn't actually relax me. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually make things more fun. So you got the and knowledge first. And then my emotion first. changed. Wow. And then the emotion then changed. when I finally stopped, it was not as hard as it had been every other time I tried. Because everything mm-hmm. had caught up. Everything was so aligned you went at backwards. that point. Everything was aligned. So you went, you said action, emotion, knowledge. Don't you mean knowledge, emotion, action? But then how do you get the knowledge w- without the feel? Mm. Yeah, this sounds like it's not real. I feel like it should be emotion, right? First, I feel like I'm in trouble, right? I accept that I got a problem. Oh my God, I got a problem. Now, once I accept it emotionally, because I, I knew it forever, I was just in denial, right? And any of you who've had a problem, you know, it's just in denial, right? So then you go to, oh, I'm no longer in denial. Like I get it, I have a problem. So maybe now you go get the knowledge to kind of figure out how to make this thing work and you start the action. I get the knowledge part. It is valuable. But why would you check something out without you getting it? Right. Because as we know, willpower, it just runs out. It becomes something that over time, if you get stressed during the day, you have less willpower at home to turn down that next drink. That part's true. She's right. Science. When I, I understood, you know, that, all the things I thought it was doing for me, it just wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. my emotions changed. Right. And then I wanted it as much as I wanted like a glass of motor oil. I just didn't want to drink. drink. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was so freeing. Just How didn't want to drink. How long have you not been drinking? Over six years six now. Years. Nice. Wow. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> just don't drink. Thank I, you I don't so know how it works. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me. All right. So Jessica Duenas. All right. Whatever. Kentucky's teacher of the year. All right. Hold on. This one's an interesting one, too. Let me grab a couple more if I can. Um, Grace says she may be in denial, too, Larry, about some other things in her life. Also, yeah, it could be true. It sounds like a skilled marketing exec that work again. 
I hope I'm wrong. I hate to be so jaded. I feel the same way, Gracie. Feel the same way. Brian has agreed. Emotion first. It's got to be that, right? You've got to feel it. You got to believe. It. You got to be out of denial. And whatever problem you're having, and we all have problems, and we all go into not denial over all kind of stuff. We all do it. Me too. I'm not sitting here preaching. I go into denial about stuff too. We all go into it. But at one point, we got to be like, you know what? No. On the same day she won this prestigious award, she was hiding a dark, painful secret. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This is a, this is a different one. A little bit different. Sam says, I've worked in marketing for 20 years. The formula, ooh, he does quotes, in her presentation and story is too noticeable. Yes. See, I knew she was going to do that. I actually told you what she was going to do before she did it because I knew it. Yes. It damages her credibility when coupled with an inauthentic evidence like the camera work. Agreed. I think she's a grifter. I think she is. So what was the secret you were hiding? <laughs> yes. My secret was that while I was holding that trophy, I was fiending to end the ceremony and go get liquor and go home and black out. Yeah. Wow. In that picture, I was in withdrawals, and that's why I'm shiny and sweaty. It was awful. Wow. And so that's kind of like how my days were at that point. I would wake up around 2 a.m., do my lesson planning, go to school, take Xanax to ward off the withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, teach. I taught really well. I had so much shame for being an alcoholic. I mm-hmm. felt like I was such a terrible person outside of school mm-hmm. that when I was teaching, I was just diving in. Oh, 100%. she was 100%. Yeah. And as soon as Makes the bell sense. rang, I said bye to the kids who I loved dearly. But as soon as I said bye to them, straight to the liquor store, straight home. And I would probably be blacked out by like six, seven o'clock. Wow. Wake up at two, wash, rinse, repeat. Wow. At your wow. worst, how much would you say you were drinking? I was drinking at least a fifth a day for a year and a half. So I actually did end up with alcoholic liver disease. Yeah, there we go. I'm sorry. The fifth? What is it? It's like the bottle that's like this big. So it's like the standard bottle that usually multiple people will share. There will still be some left over. (laughs) I was drinking the whole thing one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your rock bottom? I kind of hit two rock bottoms. I started to have like the swollen belly. Mm -hmm. I was throwing Mm. up bile. My vision would start to get a little bit blurry. I would have people cover my classroom because they thought that I was sick and that I had stomach issues. No, it was that I was drinking a lot and I was having wow. these symptoms all day. Mm-hmm. For 13 years, I was able to work and manage the double life. Wow, 100%. 13 years. Right. But one day I couldn't get out of the house. I was terrified to get in the car and drive. I was like, there's something really wrong. I can't even pretend anymore. Exactly. Right. So I Googled and I saw that there was a rehabilitation facility. I got sober then and I thought, Good. I went to college, graduate school twice. Wow. I lived on my own, first generation American. And I was yeah. like, well, if I can do all this, getting sober should be easy, right? See, that's that's this point I really want to bring up. People who are smart and people who watch this show clearly are. So you're guilty. So people who are very smart often think failure is for dumb people. Failure is for everybody. It doesn't matter your intellectual you know, prowess, it doesn't matter how wise you are or how smart you are, or your book knowledge, or your street knowledge, or whatever you got. Failures for everybody. Generally speaking, if you're wiser, you tend to have less failures if you're wiser. Not if you're smarter, right? Intellect still means tons of failures. If you're more street smart and wiser, you tend to have less failures, but you're still going to fail and fall down and stuff's still hard. Fixing yourself is always hard, no matter what. And she fell for it, like so many people do. Right. No. You know, I lasted till the holidays. Yeah. And I started drinking. So I ended up in a rehab facility again. I didn't tell anybody. I hid it from my complete family. Like, nobody knew. I struggled so much. I know that feeling of hiding everything. You know, it was like a rough break. I was afraid of losing my job. 
And then my biggest, most terrifying traumatic relapse was when I was in a relationship with someone who was also in recovery, his drug of choice was heroin. Mm. And he relapsed with everything with COVID going on, right? Like we lost our support groups. We couldn't go to work. Didn't I just say that? We lost our support group. We couldn't go to work. Of course you relapse. Of course you relapse. You can't do what Grace would have done, which is get into her work. You can't do that now. Now you don't have your work. Well, now you also have your social group. So you can't go to work and you don't have your social group. Of course you're going to have a problem. And it was just us two in like the house together, even though we loved each other very much, it's not enough. You know, when you're in recovery, like you need to get with your people, you need to be in your community. And we were just stuck. Jessica fell in love with her boyfriend, Ian, when they were in rehab together. His battle with drugs began when he got hooked on prescription painkillers after a military injury. With her own sobriety hanging... Yep. So now she's she's got a, she got a vet. All the problems of, of the vets right then and there. Seen it right there. She's got a man she's in love with. He's got problems. She's got problems. They can't support each other enough because you know this. If you're in a relationship with another, with another addict together, how often... Do you attack each other? You know exactly how to hurt each other. It's tough. By a thread, Jessica tried convincing Ian to get help. I was hiding his disease because I was ashamed mm-hmm. for yeah. him. You're I didn't all want to tell anybody that my boyfriend was addicted to heroin. Yeah. One day, we were supposed to have like a romantic date. I texted him to get me a Diet Coke, and I didn't hear anything. I called nothing. So then I was like, God, let me go to his apartment. Thing, knock, nothing. Knock, nothing. Mm-hmm. Knock call the phone, hear the phone ringing. I start to get anxious, so I start banging on the door. Neighbor comes, and he's well. like, oh, I'm going to call the police on you. And I'm like, please, please call yeah. the police because something's wrong with him and he's in there. This is a horrible story already. And Sam says, the teacher is very authentic story. I believe her with a hesitation. I do too, right? I didn't believe the other one. I didn't. This one, I'm I'm buying this one. I'm, I'm buying this. I mean, they could all be lying. Who knows? But I'm I'm with you, Sam. This one, I'm buying. I absolutely am. Yeah. When the police come and the rest of it's such a blur. I remember the like them opening the door and they're like, there's a dead male. Mm. And it was him. She lost I man. fell apart. And then of course they were did. like, Do you have his mom's? And so I had to call his mother and say that he's gone. Then I had to call his brother. His mom came and I never wished on any soul. Mm having to tell a mother that her son is dead. Yep. Coroner finally let us in. He was blue. A few hours ago, he had just said, I love you, I'm going to go to the store. Yeah. And then he went from that to being gone. Terrible. The coroner took the body, his family Terrible. went, and I went straight to the liquor store, straight home. And that's the funny thing, right? And this is just how people are. And I know someone might say, my God, your, 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 your man just died of his addiction. How could you go back? I would say the opposite. Without a social structure, how can you not? And I'm not trying to play the victim here at all. I'm just playing the human game. If you don't have a social structure to go back, the man that I'm sure she was considering marrying, someone who accepted her, with all her flaws, when she was hiding it from everybody, everybody else thought she was perfect, and he knew her flaws and accepted her with all her flaws, and she just lost that? How can you not go back to your addiction without support? How could any human not go back without support? 
Of course. After that, I got hospitalized eight times in 2020. I went to rehab and there a doctor was like, you can't deal with your grief. And so you drink to deal with it. And then you're yeah. never processing these feelings. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was like, you know what? I surrender. I'm waving that white flag. When I walked out of that facility, I resigned from teaching and something just clicked in me. There was no amount of alcohol that I could have drank to make me feel better. Yeah. Yep. At that point, I stopped. Thank God. And um, I've been sober now. It's like day 166. Oh, so I'm like yeah. five and a half months. There so you go. by the That's grace of her. God yes. and the universe and like the higher powers that be. I wrote this. Look, if, if you, you know, she, it took that. I got it. Good. Higher powers that be all good. But I want to give her some credit for finally stopping. That was a good thing. And having to go through and tell her mother, the mother. Oh, my God. Brian says, my mother lost her middle child in 1991. She was never quite the same until her death in 2009. Yes. Losing a child's the worst. I didn't lose my youngest daughter, but I almost did. And I only almost did. And that still haunts me. I didn't lose her. So I am lucky as can be. I did not lose her. And it still bothers me. And it was the lowest point of my life. It still bothers my wife. It still bothers her. Like we talk about it and we don't want to talk about it. That's how bad it was. And we didn't lose her. I couldn't imagine if I had lost my youngest daughter. I would, yes. I didn't even, I didn't even lose her. And I felt that way. So yes, I'm terrible. This op-ed in a local newspaper in Kentucky. And I said, this is me. I'm an alcoholic. I've been drinking forever. Like I've been struggling. I've been living this double life. And I remember the day that it came out, I was mm -hmm. so anxious. I had actually been teaching at an all-boys school. And I was like, my boys, they're not going to want to talk to me. They're going to be Everybody always thinks that. Everybody always thinks, right, that when they share the pain that they have, that everybody's going to hate them or not respect them or whatever the case may be. We all think that. I hope we can stop that. The amount of times I've openly said all my bad stuff and the problems I've had, and people, I mean, only people who get mad at me are, are, are people who are already my enemies, right? Yeah, you're a loser because of this. They were going to call me a loser no matter what. Like, it didn't matter. They'd have found something to call me a loser, right? So I gave them something. So what? But it also made the people who were neutral go, why are you calling this guy a loser? He's coming clean. He's showing you everything. Well, you're a jerk. Not him. You're the jerk. So I want more people to be able to come up and say, I'm human. I fell down. I got problems. You know, I got a black sheep in my family or I'm the black sheep, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the best thing was those kids, they were like, you know, you're just teaching us something different, you know, and it's just funny. Yeah. And they say that. They say that. And they're just like, thank you for telling and us. It's all worth it. It's been 100% worth it. Every relationship I had. No. This part is the part that bothers me of the whole story. I'm happy that she's been able to recover. I'm happy that she's been able to come clean and show the world her issues and concern. And I'm happy that she's a story that other people can look at and go, wow, okay, I can come back. It's not worth it. It's not. She was drunk for 13 years. Her boyfriend, maybe even fiance, is dead. It's not worth it. Did she make lemonade out of lemons yes absolutely and kudos to her 
Did she turn this around and find some value in this? Yes, absolutely. Was it worth it? No. No. It's When you say it's worth it, it's almost like you're glamorizing going through this. There should be no glamour here. It's not a good thing to throw 13 years of your life away and to lose your fiance and have to tell his mother that, that he's dead. It's not worth it. Again, kudos for you making something positive out of this. But I'd rather you not go through this. I would rather you just be a great teacher, find a man you love, marry that man and have a family and deal with other issues and not throw 13 years away in your life, be an addict and have to have your fiance die. Not worth it. Again, kudos. Please don't say it's worth it. It wasn't some plan that that God had to make you better by letting everyone else along the wayside get crushed. That's not how that works. Got stronger. I think it's awesome that your students recognize that that was a teaching moment. Yeah, Yeah, but she's not a teaching moment. She resigned. So she's no longer teaching. Teaching moment about life. Having struggles and falling down is it's Mm -hmm. that's part of life, you know, and it's not about the fall. It's about Mm -hmm. about it's about the get up. What I would just say to anybody, it's like if you're questioning it, there's probably something wrong. And the other really big thing, too, that I would say is you're never alone because I feel like for as long as I kept my mouth shut, I was poisoning myself. Once I finally. okay, this she is on the money there. I like everything. The one part about the work that I don't like. But that was Willow who saw that. So that's Willow's naivete who said that. So everything else she said, I love. You're not alone if you open your mouth. If you don't open your mouth, yeah, you are. I learned that in my world too. And many of you have. When you say nothing and you isolate yourself, that's when you are alone. But when you open your mouth, what I can guarantee anybody is whatever stuff you're going through, somebody else went through it. Somebody else did. It's different. It's not yours, right? So it's a little bit different. But somebody went through it. You got to open your mouth. And you might say, I tell my kids this all the time. Once you start to hide or lie, whatever you did that's wrong, if you, the more you lie, the worse it happens. The worse it happens. Things just get worse if you keep lying. At one point, just come clean and it'll, it'll be better at least. So, yes. All right, Steve says... I wish this wasn't public, but this is too common and very real. I'm dealing with some of this myself, drinking, depression loop. Yes. And at, an, and at a low point, often getting out of bed feels like too much. Brother, I have been there. To the point where I would always have an excuse to either watch TV or get back in bed. And one of the weirdest ones when I was feeling a uh, story I tell sometimes is, I would sometimes find myself in front of a TV and not remember getting there. Like not remember getting to the TV. And I'm in front of the TV watching something. I'm like, how'd I, how'd I, how'd, I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know. Right? And that really can be, um, that can be really weird too. Thank you for sharing, Steve. Opened my mouth, everything came out. I've stayed sober since I've opened my mouth. Yeah. There we go. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so I feel there like- we go. People need to realize it's okay to not be okay. You keeping a secret could be the difference between you living and dying. That's yeah. real, 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 talk. real, yes. real talk yeah. right yeah. there. Had to learn that the hard way. Thank yeah. you so Thank much you for so coming. Much. Yes, yeah. it was the hard way. Yes. Thank you. I'm yes. so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, that was Absolutely. a powerful testimony. Keep doing the work. Yeah, that was yeah, good. I buy, I buy what she's saying. <laughs> yes.
I buy what she's saying. How many times did you relapse, Gail? I mean, you know, it's debatable whether you actually want to call it relapse because relapse actually implies that there has been some recovery that has taken place. Okay. So I would just have periods, I call them, of abstinence. Yeah. And then I would. Oh, interesting. I'm looking at it. Okay. I would always run back to a different meeting. To sneak, kind of sneak, and yeah. kind of sneak mm-hmm. in and get kind of comfortable there and say, "Oh no, I was going to these meetings and all of that nonsense." Oh, every time I would do that, I would feel so much relief just having admitted it. Yeah, and sure. going back and picking up that one day keychain. Yeah. yeah, it was such a relief. It's almost like, like Willow's job is just to go. Yeah, now. all that shame. That's your yeah, job. Now. Exactly. Nobody feels that yeah, way about exactly. you. Totally. Right. You just sure. gotta keep coming totally. back totally. until it so clicks. And that's the one thing. The one thing I never get did this. was stop going. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I just kept coming back, and one day, the light bulb went off. Yeah. Hey. Well, that part I want to bring up now, this is a valid point. She kept going to the meetings, even though she kept relapsing. But at one part, she said the light went off. You know, when I was running for governor, I was talking about the idea of, of having having places for two with two different issues when it comes to social issues. One was addiction. And the other one was homeless, hopelessness. And I talked about the idea of creating t- tiny houses and or in cities, little small apartment complexes to where there are social services are there in the room right? Sponsored by large corporations. The government doesn't pay for it. And we could do that. And then like, like McDonald house, that kind of thing. Right. And there are some of these that exist already in New York city, but they work. One of the reasons why they work is now social workers and family members know where to go to try to give support. I talked about the idea of having overdose protection sites, people who were worried about overdosing coming to a site where they could, there'd be a doctor there and social workers there and things of that sort there. And people get mad at me and go, Larry, why are you helping out the homeless like that? They're going to be, it's going to be dirty and it's going to be an addiction. And why do you want to go to the, the sites? Because many times when people are addicts, they leave. I talked about it. You go someplace else and you do your drugs because you're accustomed to doing it socially. And it's against the law. You, your family doesn't be around you. None of those things. You go off and you do your drugs. And very often you can't find the addict. You don't know where they are physically. You can't find them. So when you want to reach out to your brother or your sister or your cousin or your mom or your daughter, you can't because you can't find them. But imagine if you had a place where you knew they were going to be. You can go find them and reach out. Because I don't know if it's the third I love you or the 300th I love you that's going to make somebody go, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready for the help. I don't know what it's going to be for the person you love. What number I love you is that going to be? Sixth, the 45th, the 2000th. I don't know. But if the person's dead, it doesn't matter. If the person's alive, I might get to that number. I might get to the number, the amount of I love you's it takes to get that person to go, I, I'm in. I'll do this. And for her, she kept going. She was lucky. She kept going to the meetings. And there were enough people that eventually the, I got you, I got you, I'll help you, I got you. Eventually, she was like, all right, that's the one. And she got clean. God. When 29-year-old Katie was ready to put an end to a decade of binge drinking and blackouts, Mm -hmm. she took matters into her own hands. A New York attorney, Katie, has always been an overachiever who could conquer anything. 
but when it came to alcohol, she was powerless. Mm -hmm. At one point, she was drinking so much she couldn't remember the night before. Here we go. In 2018, Katie got sober to save her own life. She had no idea she was about to change the lives of countless others with mm -hmm. her groundbreaking group, Sober Black Girls Club. What did your binge drinking look like? I was studying for the bar. I had my dream job. Mm -hmm. I had my dream car. I had mm -hmm. like a really luxury, nice apartment. Life was good. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So now why am I depressed? And yep. this is when my drinking problem exacerbated to a addiction. And this right. is when like binging started. Literally going to work and coming back home and just feeling so empty. Yeah. Yep. Feeling like I haven't accomplished anything, feeling like a failure. It was just a terrible feeling, a feeling that I just ran from. This is the point that I bring up constantly. Why in the world would I be writing a book on happy, unhappiness? The reason why I am writing a book on happiness is because we don't understand as a nation, as a group of people, how people become happy. We think it's just, you know, marrying the right person or getting the perfect job. Those things may be part of it or making more money or being famous. Those things may be part of it. But at its core, there are three pieces. You have to feel like you're respected. You have to feel that you're loved and you have to have a purpose. Those three things are critical. If you have all three, generally you'll be happy. Now, the question is, you know, do you have to have romantic love? No, no, it could be family love. It could be, in, in, in theory, it could be professional love in theory, right? You could feel loved by those around you in your job even. But as long as you're feeling loved, that's great. I hope you have it in all of your, wor all of your world, right? So, yes. The second part though is, you have to feel like you're respected, right? Preferably in your home and family, but sometimes only one is. Sometimes you're respected at work, but not at home or the reverse. You've got to have a purpose. It doesn't matter how much money you're making or what job you have. If you don't feel those things, you're not happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that basically turned into me binging. What I realized through therapy was that I had people mm -hmm. telling me I was pretty and smart. I was given awards. School always came easy to me. And, and then when that was all taken away and I was put into the setting or this nine to six setting mm -hmm. where now I don't have anyone telling me, giving me compliments. I'm yeah. not I'm not a star. I'm not shiny, no. especially when you're in settings where like you're the. Did you hear that? I have talked about this so many times. This is how we are destroying our youth. She went to work and she wasn't being complimented and told she was awesome and all these things. Yeah. But before you always were, because your mom told you that, your school told you that, everybody told you it was great. You were great because you passed the test. That's why you're great. But now you're out in the world. And your test means nothing. Now you're out in the world and those things don't mean anything, right? That, that is, that's the thing that she's not saying. That she was trained that you just get told you're awesome. You don't have to actually achieve anything except, except pass a test and you're awesome. So now when you're in the real world, you can't hang. That is a problem. Only black person doing certain things. Yes. Like the focus is on you. Therapy. Oh, why is everybody? Oh, yeah. Like you all know what that's like. 
what? Don't don't let wow, Sam, you about to go crazy. I know you just you just you you typing up victimhood already. Absolutely, yes. I love that. I realized that, like, Katie, you never had self-esteem. Your self-esteem was based on what people thought about you and your awards you and your never, and You never had self-esteem. And you hear what she just said? It was, it was based upon your awards and your accomplishments. That's a lie. That's a lie. She's telling herself and telling others a lie. That's not true. Because if you had actual accomplishments, you would have self-esteem. That's literally how it works. When you achieve something, then you get self-esteem by having the achievement. She got awards, but they were show-up awards. They were participation trophies. They were stuff like that. They were things that she didn't find value in, that she knew she was gifted. Not that she earned. She didn't believe that she earned it. Therefore, she didn't respect herself. Therefore, she had no self-esteem. That's the issue. She went into this job and she had imposter syndrome, which is common all the time. And she felt she was an imposter. Why? Because she was. The system set her up for this. The system sets up most of our youth for this. And that's why so many of them are unhappy. That's why suicide in our youth went up when everywhere else across the board in the United States last year, it went down. Except in the youth, it went up. Right here. Right here. Now that you're done with all that, you don't know who you are. Yeah. I became depressed. But I'm glad that you talked about your feelings of low self-esteem, because at the end of the day, part of doing the work is getting at the root of what is really causing you to drink or causing yes. you not to want to deal with your feelings. Exactly. And for you, it was a low self-esteem. And it was that for me mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah, You know, and never really understanding where all of that came from. I still don't yes. understand. Absolutely. She's right. Right. Brian says surviving failure is a great way to build self-esteem. Yes. Yes. And if you find so many of the success stories in this world, they often, they often come together. Right. They often come together when someone moves up from falling down to getting back up. Yeah, that's when they become stronger. Absolutely. Dustin says she wasn't getting enough out of girls. When you're accustomed to that, that's what happens. Yes, that's what happens. Steve says, what I will say is that you should never close up your support networks. Yes. When there's nobody left to help, there's no help. Bingo, Steve. Yes, absolutely true. Yes. And to this day, <laughs> we all deal with that to Especially a certain point, women right? of color. Yeah, and I think that we we all find different coping mechanisms. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> what I said about being addicted to reactions? Yeah. Yes. There you go. I literally yes. was like, <laughs> I can. That's why I'm connecting with you so much on this because I'm like, I feel you. Yeah. Like needing this is validation. The second piece. This is the next piece, and she's totally right. I see it all the time. I've had to deal with it with my two daughters and how they deal with it on social media. They just want people to put the like, the like, the like, the like, the respond well, positively, and that's where it grows. The problem with all those attaboys or girls, oh my God, now you don't get them. And now the world's ending. Now the world's ending. <laughs> and and yeah. thriving off of that validation is, whew, that's a dangerous cycle. What was your lowest point that you looked at yourself and said, oof, this is a problem? Within one year, 
I lost my job, right. my high-paying job. I can't yeah. afford my high-paying apartment. I can't right. afford my high-paying car. car. Right. Yeah. So I lost basically all those three things in one. Had to move back home with my parents. Mm-hmm. A lot yep. of my relationships were basically horrible. Yeah. So Everything's at this going point, apart. I have to like turn inwards and be like, Katie, what is wrong with you? Like, if all this stuff is happening, it has to be you. There's yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem with the first person was, there's nothing wrong with you. Ask why. That's why the first person got it wrong. These next two got it right. At one point, they said, I'm doing something wrong. If all this stuff is happening to me together, I'm doing something wrong, right? Oh, I'm in the wrong place. I'm with the wrong people. So even if it isn't physically what you're doing, it might be where you're going, who you're hanging out with. It could be those two. But still, it's your actions that you can change. That you are doing yeah and it was extremely hard for me because as black folks we keep a lot of stuff inside okay no this black thing has got to stop right not that there aren't specific issues with black women there absolutely are but as black folk we keep inside all people keep stuff inside not just black black folks all people do right that's what humans do we hide it it's what we do yeah but at that time i thought i was the only person going through this yes so I never met anyone at that time that I thought had an addiction. I didn't mm-hmm. even know what an addiction was in my head. Yeah, that means you were raised in an environment to where everything was perfect. You had bulldozer parents who didn't show you what addiction was like. You didn't have friends who acted that way. Yes, you were set up for failure. You were set up for failure. And it was like older white men, big bellies, no clue what I was going through. Right. Not even I needed help. Mm-hmm. So I started to go see a therapist and she said, maybe you should take a break from drinking. And I looked at her like, what are you talking about? Like, Why are you bringing up alcohol? What does that have to do with me? Like, wow. like no, think like, about how you have to me. be like, think about how broken you have to be and then denial you have to be if you're her, right? If you're her, you feel depressed, drinking every day, you lose your job. Why did you lose your job? Probably you either didn't deliver or you didn't show up. Okay, clearly the alcohol has to do with that, or was she that incompetent? I don't think she was that incompetent. Maybe she was. It's possible. I don't know her at all. But my assumption is she wasn't that incompetent if she got the job. It's my assumption, but maybe she was incompetent. But probably was the drinking, right? Either didn't show up or didn't or couldn't uh, do everything, right? So now you lose your house. Well, why couldn't you get another job? Is she that incompetent, or she get fired because she couldn't show up? So now you can't get another job. Did you not know you were about to be fired? Right? Did you not know you were about to be fired? What's going on here? Something's up here. I don't I, I don't I don't get this. Something's up here. Right? Brian says all the many attaboys I got in service for hollow time. They did nothing for promotion or put or put weight on my chest. Logic says one thing is for sure amongst young people, if you have money, you have friends. As soon as you're not making money, friends disappear. Is that how that works? I like that. Um, Sam says she went to college, became a lawyer and had no clue what addiction is. Something's not right there. Yeah. See, this one's a weird one too. Something's up here. The funny thing is the two people who are selling something, she's selling her black social network thing. And the other one's selling a book. They both seem like grifters or, or maybe, no, maybe she's not a grifter. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. The, the first one's not a grifter. She seems like she's just lost. Like, How did you get through law school? How could you be this naive? 
right? How could you be this naive? I, I, I don't understand h- how that works. Anyway, let's figure out what happened here. It's not in my family. No one drinks at home. So after a couple of sessions, I gave into the idea, like, you know what? Like, she's right. Drinking is... After a couple of sessions? So it took you a couple of sessions to figure that one out. Wow. Is the cause. I think every time I drink, something bad or negative actually does happen. Yeah. One of the suggestions my therapist gave me was to go to a 12-step program. Right. So I went. I was the only Black person... So that like threw me off and that just really rubbed me the wrong way. 100%. Mm-hmm. So it was the Why are you all going yes? Mhm. Are you telling me that that addiction or or alcoholism or whatever the pain is you're going loneliness, depression, only white people understand that or only black people understand that or it this is universal. I mean, I feel like you got fired for a different reason if you're walking in a room and only you think about is who, who are the black people in the room. I mean, that's a thing. Don't get me wrong. I've been the only black guy in the room many times. But that doesn't immediately mean that this sucks, right? It doesn't suck because I'm the only black person in the room. It might suck, but it's not because I'm the only black person in the room. Culture that you did, I that just, just didn't It didn't make sense to me. Right. It felt like there were rules I had to follow. And, they- and there's... That's a, it's a 12-step program. Yes, he's like, I got to follow these stupid rules. Yeah, I think you got fired because you suck. I'm going, I'm starting to fall to the incompetent thing. Yeah, it maybe might not have been alcohol. You might just suck. I think you're just bad at what you do. But things I had to agree on, if I didn't agree on certain things, then I wasn't doing something right. Yes, that's a program. That's how that works. Right. I wasn't doing sobriety right. Yeah. Right. I couldn't get with it. Right. I could not get with it. I understand that. So then I created Sober Blackos Club. And then when the pandemic hit, we really expanded because folks needed meetings and they felt like the meetings they were going to online, yeah. they didn't feel like they belonged. Long, they yeah. felt like they couldn't talk about certain issues. Choose. I don't know. Okay. Oh my God. So you, what? But there were rules. It's a program. Aren't there rules in your social club? And I bet one of those rules is you got to pay some money. I bet that's one of those rules for your club. I bet that's how your club works. Oh, like if you did 12 stop, but there was a point where you couldn't talk about outside issues. Right. And what is an outside issue? Can you please tell me what that means? That means you can't talk about race. So when George Floyd passed away, I was actually. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. Not that race is an issue. It is. And of course it matters. But I got to ask you, you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost your car, you, 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 you had to go three, four times to the therapist before you figured out I should stop drinking. Where did race come in this? Did you, did you drink because you were the only black person in your law firm? I, I, I don't understand. Maybe you were just lonely. Because people didn't like you. Maybe. I feel like you're that kind of self-righteous, incompetent, self-centered, you think everybody needs to give you stuff kind of person. That's how I feel. I don't know you, but the vibe you're giving me is, I didn't want to follow rules. I'm supposed to be awesome. You're supposed to give me compliments. She didn't say I didn't get compliments and it was like, you know, I didn't deserve them. Or 
because you know that's she was like how dare they not give me compliments every day and now how dare they make me follow rules i got a feeling she's a bad employee and she got fired because she sucks that's what i think maybe i'm wrong on this one i like the teacher a lot this one not so much 12th up meeting i went to go support a friend we're talking about it. We're really upset. And I'm at this meeting, but there's no sense of despair, of anger, of sadness. Like right. everyone is pretending or acting as if a black man has not just been killed. Right. On national television. So you. So you are admitting that most of the people in the room are white. OK. Why would they be going nuts over George Floyd during a meeting? During a meeting. If you looked at the the protests, many white people protested, right? Lots did. BLM had lots of white people throwing the money. Lots of people were were doing this. Absolutely. But so I got to, I'm, if I'm an addict, I'm losing my own world here, right? So wouldn't I want to focus when I'm, when I'm at my meeting, I want to focus on staying sober Maybe I don't want to focus on some of the horrible things in the world, like maybe George Floyd. And maybe I got to handle myself here in my, in, my, in my arena here so I can go out and do something. I'm, I'm not buying this one. I'm grieving and you all are just having a wonderful time. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one person who was feeling like this. There was a, girls all around the nation were feeling like this. And that's yes. why we decided to create our own meetings. Yeah. Oh, we thought segregation was going to be the right answer. I got you. I'm not sure about this one. Uh, Grace, I think this woman, the attorney, is not as much a grifter as someone who just needs to grow up. Ooh, interesting view on this. I feel like I kind of went through the same thing when I was in my 20s. She seems more naive than shady. You know what? That could be true, Grace. I, I could see that too. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've gone too hard. Maybe she's just naive. It could be that. Maybe it is. Um, I was in a CODIS TDY. Why, you're using those kind of, of, of phrases, Brian. Okay, for you guys don't know, this, this is vet terms. CONUS means continental United States, and he was off duty. He went to a local bar. I was the only white in the bar. See that? And you must have felt depressed and you immediately decided to have a whites only bar, right? That's what happened. Oh, no, you didn't do that? Good. Good. Don't do that. Yes. Um, Tom agrees. She said, I think she's kind of naive. Dustin going hard. I, I just, I feel like this one's a, a little bit shifty. I, I feel like I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Sam says, no outside issues because addicts need to focus on what is going on in their lives, minds, and not dodging, blaming things outside of their control. Yes, that's what I'm saying. If, if, you're, if you're dealing with the, the stuff of an addiction, you're probably losing your family, your friends, your job, right? And I'm here now to handle stuff. George Floyd is another thing I got to deal with. You know what? Let me not get high today. How about that? Then I'll go, I'll go handle George Floyd after that. Let me not drink myself to being blacked out today. Then I'll go handle something else. Yes. Sam's acceptance equals ownership equals recovery. Yes. Bernard says another grifter trying to make money off the murder of George Floyd. Maybe, I, you know, I'm torn, right? I think Grace has a valid point too. I'm not sure which one. I'm kind of torn here on this one. So yes, Michelle said, everybody needs to like this video. She's right. Why aren't you guys clicking the like and love button? Why aren't you guys clicking the like button now? You should be clicking the like button. You're not clicking it. You don't love me. I'm sitting there busting my rump on a Friday night. Click the like button. Absolutely. Not just that. 
comment and share. What are you doing? Please do that now. And if you haven't already, soon, take the world's smallest political quiz. Click that link in the description. Take that quiz. Support my sponsors. That's how we keep doing this. You go, Larry, I want to support you directly. You can be a sponsor. Patreon.com slash shortway. Throw me 10 bucks a month. Do it now if you like what I'm doing. If you like what I'm seeing. If, if you like what I'm showing, please do that. Like, comment, and share. Support the show either with a $10 donation per month or World Smallest Book Quiz. Either one. Do either of those two. It does matter. It does help. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. So um, Sam says, I'm inclined to agree with Grace. Yes. Grace says, law is a successful career. Maybe she's a step back and think about her career choices. Well, she's changed. She's now doing this thing. So yes. Torin says, only black people feel emotions. Only black people suffer. Alcoholism is racism. Very funny. I like that. Yes. No, look, I, I do want to be clear. Without question, Different groups of people, whether women or black or black women, whatever, do have different problems and situations. A hundred percent, that's true. But it doesn't mean you can't share your pain with others who are feeling similar pain. And maybe when there's a specific issue that only someone else might agree with, that's fine. Then maybe that's when you had that separate conversation that maybe only a woman would understand. Possible. Right. Or maybe only a black person would understand. Maybe only a black woman would understand. I totally get that. But the, 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 to think that that's the only way you can heal is terrible. That is not the only way you can heal. Right. Not at all. There are many ways you can heal. Let me grab this if I can. Keep going. If you need to go to rehab, go to your rehab. But on yep. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and Sundays, we're going to get together. That's beautiful. Like, I'm Come literally sitting here going, wow, like, that's so important. Like, the fact that there's so much as women of color that we see in this world that isn't designed for us and catered for us. I'm just sitting here. I'm being very, very quiet. But... <clears throat> But if it was, if it was, mm, I don't know where to go on this one. You know, Willow's usually pretty squared away on this one. But I, in usually, usually Willow's pretty squared away. I feel like in this one, she's over her head. I think Willow's over her head in this. One. She doesn't understand addiction or the pain or this. I think she's over her head. And I feel like she's saying some stuff she probably shouldn't be saying. Um I'm not sure I buy any of that. I'm I'm just going to walk past this. I'm just trying to listen and understand because that has just not been my experience. Right. It's almost like finding a therapist. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes you just have to keep going until you find the right one. I'm just sorry that you had that experience. Thank you. Grandma says the right thing. It's not about just being black people. It's just that this one meeting didn't land the way you wanted to leave, so go to the meeting. Grandma said she kept going to the meeting until she found the right one, and eventually it connected. Grandma didn't go, only black people could save me. I'm sure there were black people in, in grandma's meeting because she probably went to a black neighborhood. My assumption, I don't know that to be true, but I'm sure there's white people there too because they're all feeling pain. Yeah, I'm thinking either she's naive or there's a part of me that thinks she's just raised poorly, like her parents really screwed her up. Like they like the whole system just set her up. Like you don't know what addiction is. Are you lying or is there a problem? Like, are you just not that bright? Did you get pushed to did you get pushed ahead because your family's wealthy or you your dad knew somebody, your mom knew somebody? Is that what happened? Like, how did you become a lawyer and then get fired 
and not figure out you were alcoholic. None of this makes any sense. I think she's just a grifter. Uh, you know what? Maybe she's just broken. Something's wrong. That's what I'll say. Something's yeah. wrong. I've definitely felt what you're talking about. It was just yeah, but you're self righteous too. Fit what yeah, I needed. You're and also self righteous, and you haven't figured out how bad your actions were yet because you're still too proud of them. Grandma's not proud of her actions. You are so, and you're giving that to your daughter. That's why your daughter hasn't figured out that she shouldn't be messing around with substances when you have literally before her three generations of substance abuse in your family. Very much an outsider. And so because of my specific experiences of being a black woman and the traumas that I was coming with that certain programs that I would go to couldn't. No, you just weren't ready. I don't mean to be negative. You just need, you just need to be ready. You weren't ready. Just like your mom told you. Your mom had to go to a bunch of them until finally something in her had clicked. Yours didn't click until eventually it clicked. It had nothing to do with the people being white or black or women or whatever. Eventually it clicked. Often when people are in trouble, the first I love you doesn't work. The first I care about you doesn't work. The first you're in trouble doesn't work. It takes the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the tenth, the twenty-fifth, whatever it was. Relate, and there weren't hardly anyone in there that looked like me either. Yeah. Because they have to look like you. I totally get it. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, thank you for the Black Girl Sober Club. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. There we go. I appreciate that, guys. That that was a that was a good show. I appreciate that. Steve says the system is set up for a lot of us. Yes, I'm a white male, and I've still not found a therapist, or even a doctor for that matter, that was effective in any way. That's another problem, Steve. The sad part is most therapists are terrible. I know it sounds hard, but it's true. Most most therapists are bad. Um, I've I've seen it multiple times. As as an executive coach, I'm just a coach. I'm not a therapist because I need a license if I was a therapist in New York State. So whatever I do is definitely not therapy. Otherwise, I would require a license. So it's so when I'm not being a therapist and not therapying people, when I'm not doing that, um, many times people have come from a therapist and they come to me and they're like, oh, the crap, you helped me more in one day than these people helped me in years. I'm like, yeah, people actually come to me and then leave. Like they do one group like a couple months and then they leave because they don't need me anymore. See how that works? That actually does happen. Most therapists are bad. In fact, some, there's something like 85% of people who go to um, marriage counselors still get divorced, something like that, some high number. And most people who go to therapy never leave. If you never leave your therapist, what you actually need is better friends. Right? That's the issue that you actually need a better support structure. That's what you actually need. Guys, support the show. Patreon.com slash shortway. Do that. It does matter. Please like, comment, and share. I can't get around the shadow banning if you don't help me by liking and commenting and sharing. That's the only way I get around shadow banning. So please do that if you would. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for all the time and energy you gave me this evening. I appreciate it. I'll be back on again in about uh, 45 minutes or so on Break the Cycle. I hope to see you guys then. I'll be on YouTube. I'll see you then. Guys, have a great weekend if I don't see you later on this evening.